This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So on Money Talks, we're here to answer your personal finance questions. Today, we're also talking about ways to pay off your debt. We'll discuss several different methods to reduce the money that you owe. You can contact us by email. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. And if you do send an email, sometimes it's a little difficult for us to read it on the air. Uh, but uh, every Tuesday, I check the inbox and forward any questions that receive uh, to Nancy and Ryder, and they give a, a written response. So it might be a little bit delayed, but if you email the show, we will try to get you uh, the information that you are looking for as well. Kevin, I just thought of this. Can people write in like like a letter, like a snail mail? Because it'd be fun to write people a letter back. Can we do, yes. Can we have pen pals? We, that would certainly work. If um, anybody wants to be my pen pal, right? to MPB at 3825 Ridgewood R I D G E W O O D Road Jackson MS 39211 Sorry to put you on How the spot fun. with that but I just thought that would be fun because yeah, we do, I mean, I, I do enjoy helping answer folks' questions, and sometimes when we get one in the email, we get to put a, you know, some more thought into collaborate on that a little bit more, uh, and just a, you know, handwritten letter. Yeah, sometimes that's, that's good a rare, exercise. A you know, my my wrists are getting weak. I need <laughs> someone write in, write in. And, and I would just say, even on the emails, be patient because we have to fit them in with all the other things that we're doing every day. Very good. Uh, so, Nancy, we're going to talk about uh, financial news in the news, as we always do. So we will give you the first slot. Well, I am tired of talking about the debt ceiling, so Ryder's <laughs> going to talk about that. Um, I'm looking for something a little more exciting. And uh, Have you found something exciting in the financial markets, Nancy? <laughs> uh, NVIDIA. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, what a story. So this is a company that only began in 1993. It's a California company, of course, um, in the chip industry and uh, in particular in gaming and graphics and gaming. I don't understand all of it. Ryder probably understands a lot more than I do. But they started the year at under $150 a share. They are bumping up to close to $400 a share now. They're... Sales earnings are through the roof, and now they're getting heavy into AI. So this is really an exciting company. Now, if you're worried that you missed out on it, NVIDIA is in several indexes. So they are in the Qs. They represent about 6% of the Qs. That's the top uh, 100 companies of NASDAQ. But they're also in the S&P 500. Almost 5% of the S&P 500 is NVIDIA. I don't think they're in the Dow yet, but I think there's been talk of maybe adding them. 
so this is just an interesting growth industry right now, and uh, it's a company that is well-positioned, uh, an exciting story. The, the real problem right now, remember, it has gained about 150% in less than six months. Mm-hmm. Be careful of jumping on the bandwagon when it's this high. I think one of the interesting things uh, about NVIDIA is that they made a – so they make – chips and electronic you know components uh they made a decision even though uh mobile computing so think your phones chips for your smartphones making them smaller and more energy efficient has been a really 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 i cannot say really enough big theme of chip making over the past few years because that's where all of our chips are going that's where all of our most advanced newest chips are going they're going into phones we need to make chips for phones they decided not to focus on phones and to focus instead on just a variety of other types of chips. And there's just so much diversity in chips these days. And so it just happened to be that they put themselves in the path of uh, what <clears throat> the the AI that needs the specific types of chips. And they are the ones, uh, they're the ones at the front of that. And that's just all to say that we have all of these events in the short term that happen, you know, the debt ceiling fight, um, that we pay a lot of attention to, but ultimately for stock investors, people who participate in the market, it's all about company earnings. And so this company has a really great business model. They have great sales. They're earning money. Just make sure that you buy it at a good price. Um, before we, we, and we are going to talk about the debt ceiling before, I was just wanted to throw out a company name from maybe the other end of the spectrum and some thoughts. One that's gone down that much? Takata. <laughs> Takata, the airbag maker. Oh. That has been gone, gone. I mean, I, I, you know, this was several years ago, but I heard something just recently that said it was cars that had defective airbags. I mean, how, how does a company withstand year, years of negative publicity. I mean, I, it's, it, that was what was interesting to me. Thoughts? Well, sometimes they don't. And um, I like the stories where somebody's run into a problem, a company's run into a problem, but they're going to fix it. So what happens in the market is something called overreaction. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing overreaction on the positive side in the video right now, I think. Um, but you can also see overreaction on the negative side where a stock gets dumped because of bad news. But if you're a savvy investor, you go back and look at the financials and you can say, okay, can they fix this problem? And once they do, we know that there's value here. And that's how you can really make money. And I think uh, just on that topic, a similar one is a style word a lot of people probably know is 3M. They make uh, lots of adhesives. They make scotch tape. They Mm -hmm. make post-it notes. But they are down a whole lot. I mean, just in the past year, they're down like a third. And that is because they have uh, lots of liabilities. They're down maybe half in the past year or so. Uh, They have lots of liabilities from a big lawsuit. And so that's something that you see impacting companies. And if a lawsuit's going to absorb all of your profits for the next few years, well, like Nancy said, you're buying it for these profits. And if they're not going to have any for the next few years, why would you want it? So you see some sort of things. Sometimes, like Nancy said, it's an overreaction. Sometimes it's not necessarily an overreaction, but the, the company just does have other things going on. So I don't know specifically about Takata. I think that is uh, – it's not traded on the U.S. exchanges, but um, – Yes, yeah, so bad news absolutely can bring a stock price down if they see that absorbing the company's profits. But 
could be an opportunity for some folks. And I guess the only thing is that the reason why so many different model cars have it is that they were one of the few airbag makers. And so mm-hmm. I guess if you're one of the only games in town that does help out, even if you have a lot of bad publicity, because it's like, well, where else are you going to go, I guess? Okay, so that leads us up to the agreement that has been reached. Ooh. It's Nothing's been passed yet by Congress, so it's right. still an agreement at this point. But Ryder, give us your thoughts on on the debt ceiling negotiations. Uh, so this is interesting. This has just been a massive headache for everybody. Uh, I think we've been talking about it on the radio. We've certainly been talking about it uh, in the office uh, almost daily. And so I'm glad that they've agreed to something. However, they've agreed agreed to something very small and very short term. So we know this argument is going to come up again on January first, twenty twenty five. Unless they have some sort of agreement in the meantime, an agreement which we probably won't even hear about. So it suspends the debt limit. So they haven't just established a hard cap for it. They just said, essentially, whatever spending we do between now and January 1st, 2025, we can issue the debt for and then we're and then that's when we're going to cap it again. So it brings a definite timeline to the next debt limit fight. There were a number of things they kind of just just pared back a little bit. They, the, the extra funding for the IRS was fairly controversial, so they c- made a big cut in that. Uh, they did stop the student loan repayment suspension. That is over. It's going to be over 60 days after June 30th. Now, why they didn't just tell us what day is 60 <laughs> days after June 30th, I'm not sure. Maybe nobody in the negotiating room had a calendar at the point. At that point, maybe they think July might end up being a little longer or shorter, just depending on how the holidays are. Uh, so 60 days after June 30th, um, then the You'll have to start paying your student loans back. Interest will start accruing again. The forgiveness aspect, people ask about that a lot. We talk about that a lot as well. It is still under review by courts, so we're just kind of waiting to hear on that. Uh, Really, I believe it's June we're supposed to hear about that. There's a variety of unspent money that they're clawing back from uh, pandemic relief. So that's 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 all fine and and and, and acceptable. Uh, and then they've one of the weird things, and this just kind of shows how I think this is just a ridiculous political fight, is that they've established so they've suspended the debt limit to 2025. And they essentially said, whatever we end up spending, whatever we end up wanting to spend, it's cool. We can issue debt for it. But then they put spending caps out until 2029. So they've they've established a maximum level that we can spend until 2029. But they're going to have to fight over the debt limit again for all of those years. So there's four years where they've already capped spending. Why didn't you just go ahead and say, okay, we can, we can allow, we can allow all that debt to be issued. So a lot of silliness there, I I personally think, but they have just kicked the can to the, whatever the next administration is in 2025. That's what it looks like. And understand that this is, um, they're arguing over maybe only 25% 25% or less of the budget. It's a very because small amount. Three quarters of the budget is set in stone. Mm-hmm. You know, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, much of defense is set in stone. Um, the interest on the debt, which will eventually start going up because our rates are going mm-hmm. up. That's a lot. So all of that is set. That's not what they're having conversations about, which is what they really should be having conversations about. But those are hard conversations, and we're not going to talk about that. 
And so the whoever the next president is is going to be greeted by that uh, as he um, comes into office with January 25 would be that's when the new president would be sworn in. Correct. That's the idea. They do. Uh, Congress loves tripping up a new. <laughs> I, I guess it's like, hey, welcome. It's your first day at work. Uh, by the way, here's something we decided two years ago. We decided that this would be this would be you. Uh, so that's just kind of that's what it is. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app on your smartphone and listen to all the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy Ryder here to answer your personal finance questions. Also today, we're going to talk about various methods used to pay off debt. You can email the show by sending it to money at mpbonline.org. So before we leave the debt ceiling conversation, our colleague uh, Jay White had an interesting question. Uh, Nancy, we'll let you take first crack at it. So when we talk about credit rating for countries, would that be similar to a consumer who has a low credit score in terms of effects, how it might affect them financially? Well, basically, it is the same thing. Now, what goes into a credit rating for a country is a little bit different than what goes into that credit rating for an individual. For a country, you're looking at political situations, demographics, um, you know, if there's war going on, all kinds of issues. How stable is that government? And that's the reason that U.S. government has always been so top rated, because we are seen as the most stable government, stable economy on the planet. That is until we start arguing about the debt ceiling. Um, and that causes markets to get a little bit rattled because the concern is that we might not be able to honor that debt. So, yes, it, it is looking at can that country repay that debt and what are all the elements that go into making a country and its economy sound and stable. Yes. All right. Very good. So hopefully that uh, w- that will be off the table for a couple of years. Uh, so we'll we'll pick up this we're discussion. Gonna, we're going to put it on the on the calendar for, for January first, twenty twenty five, folks. Uh, tune in here only on, <laughs> on MPB. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to talk about ways to pay down debt. So the first one we will talk about is commonly called the snowball method. So Ryder, explain how the snowball method works. Yeah, so this is this sounds fun. I think I think it is fun. And picture a snowball rolling up and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and this is po- uh, popularized, I want to say, by Dave Ramsey, who who's does a, a lot of uh, helping folks get out of debt. The idea here is you're paying off your smallest debts first, and it's very much. A psychological thing uh, it, because it doesn't look necessarily at the total carrying cost of that debt. It does not necessarily look at the interest rate of that debt. It is, can I pay off this debt and can I take that win? Can I say, yes, I did it? And and that's, that's a really strong one for people who are really stuck deep in debt. It, it can feel really hard, like you're not getting any success, like you're drowning in this debt. And so if you take all of the extra payment that you can possibly do and focus on the smallest debt, you will have, you will accomplish something a little bit faster. I think one thing to really keep in mind is that you still have to make at least the minimum payments on other debts. So there's no, none of these methods that we're saying, none of these ways were, 
we're talking about are 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 without the context of making sure you are paying your other debt. You can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to skip my mortgage this month so that I can pay my credit card debt because then you'll default on your mortgage or your car loan or, or, or your other credit card. So, so that's important to keep in mind. But yes, snowball, focus on something small so you can, you can get a little victory uh, tucked under your belt. Uh, Nancy, on the snowball method, any other kind of pros that you can think of? Well, I prefer it um, because it just gives you that feeling of I've conquered something. So even though your smallest debt might be the lowest interest debt, just to be able to mark it off the list mm-hmm. gives you a good feeling. And uh, I usually encourage people who are stuck in a debt problem to either put it on paper, uh, put it on your refrigerator, or put it in a spreadsheet so that you can go through and actually plug in those payments and see when they're going to disappear. But again, mm-hmm. starting with the smallest one, going to the next one and the next one as you work your way down. Because sometimes having that big one to deal with first is just going to wear you out and you're going to give up. Uh, and I do want to say, don't if you're listening to this and you have some debts, don't go out and put $1,000 on a credit card just so that next month you can, you can start your snowball with that one. Just don't. That's not an excuse. And know that credit card debt is unsecured debt, meaning they can't come and take your stuff back if you don't make that payment. If you don't make your payment on your car or your house, you will lose those assets. Um, But what you lose when you don't make your payments properly on your credit cards or any other debt is you're going to lose points on your credit score. And that's a really big deal because then that's going to end up costing you more. And, Kevin, this is really amazing to me. The latest numbers from Forbes show that the average interest on a credit card right now is 24.14%. That just makes my eyes pop. And I guess with the snowball method, you uh, as you pay off each debt, you've got less numbers of debts to deal with. So it might be a little bit That's easier right. to stay organized each month. You so use fewer checks. A couple of, of the pros. We'll, uh, we'll What's get- a check? I'm not. I'm not sure, but it's it's a word they use. It's a word they use when talking about money. It's, the people who like sending personal letters often write checks as well. I've noticed. Uh, <laughs> here we go. All right, uh, we'll continue talking about ways to pay down debt. We've got a couple of callers to get to, so we will begin uh, in Brookhaven. Carolyn's on the line. Uh, good morning. You're on the air with us. So go ahead. Good morning. So I have a, like uh, a house payment. My, my, well. I owe 84000 on my house, and I have a little over $15,000 in credit card debt. And I was thinking about taking out a home uh, equity line of credit for 30000 to pay off the credit card debt and uh, maybe update my kitchen. And I'm just wondering, am I making the right decision? Well, you're converting that unsecured debt to secure debt, and that's the biggest caution. This is something that you can do and play this little game, but understand that if you don't make those payments on that 15000 of credit cards, that doesn't hurt where you live. You still have a roof over your head. If you move that credit card debt over onto your house and you don't make the payments on that HELOC, then your house can be taken away from you. So that's the main caution. Um, you should probably be lowering your overall interest rate by moving from the credit card debt to the HELOC. But most HELOCs that we're encountering 
are encountering right now have variable rates of interest, and those rates are much higher than they were just a year or so ago, and they may go even higher. So you have to be very careful about that. And I would just make sure if you're going to lump in this idea of updating your kitchen that you really are adding value. If you look in your neighborhood, are you putting in too much on the house? Are you going to be able to service the debt when all is said and done? Yeah, so this is this is interesting. And Nancy, you just mentioned the credit card rates right now. But also, yes, HELOC rates have gone up a lot. If you are cutting your interest rate in half by moving to a HELOC, that's great. But then you're doubling the amount of debt you take on. So all of a sudden, you're back to the same interest cost. And you've gone nowhere. So that's my first caution because my first thought was, oh, hey, you want to do a little refinance? We, especially when interest rates were much lower, we would recommend cash out refinances or HELOCs to help consolidate or pay off some debts if you got a significant savings out of that and you were able to pay that off much more quickly. Um, on I don't know what your rate on these credit cards are, but you could be saving hundreds of dollars every month by doing this. But if you just move those hundreds of dollars and you just pay somebody else those hundreds of dollars, you're not making any progress on those debts. And and I don't know how burdensome or problematic this debt is for you, but if you have a debt issue, I would just be hesitant to say, oh, yeah, absolutely do that kitchen renovation. I don't know how important that is to you, and I don't know how burdensome the debt is, but that that's a that's a balance you're going to have to strike. And understand that the average household debt right now is about 7900 So 15000 in household debt on credit cards is almost twice what's average. So you need to probably look closely at that. All right. Uh, thanks for the call. Let's uh, move on. Next, we're going to go to uh, Pearl. And we'll have uh, Alan on the line. Good morning, Alan. It's your turn, so go ahead. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you all for taking my call. Um, I heard here a while back, I don't know, I'm hoping this is not true, but hearing anybody talking about this, actually, if you've got a good credit score, like a few of us do now, um. If you go to buy a house, you're actually going to have to pay more. If you actually got a good credit score, you're going to have to pay more in, like, fees or something to for the mm. difference. And the ones that don't have good credit scores, which I, I don't agree with that, but have y'all heard anything that? Yes, yeah, so I, I know what you're talking about. There were some loan-level price adjustments that Fannie Mae issued. And so loan level price adjustment is essentially an extra fee based on the price of the mortgage you're taking out. And it was based on credit score. Um, and so essentially they have Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, because they're so large in the mortgage business, they can kind of set all the rules and what are, what are fees coming out? What are, what are interest rates that they are buying? 
uh, for given loans. And there was an extra fee. They did raise fees a little bit on higher credit scores and lower them a little bit on lower credit scores. And this, and you're right, this was very controversial. I believe they have backed off on this. They are not implementing those changes right now. But the general idea is that the purpose of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are to get people into homes. And so if that means having some borrowers help out some other borrowers in a in a very minor way like that, maybe that makes sense. I don't I don't know. It did, but yes, I mean you're right that it did result in a higher fee on folks who already had good credit. Bear in mind uh, home ownership mortgages are a, uh, a heavily encouraged and subsidized thing in the U.S. already. So this is all just folks with good credit scores have have a have a federally backed mortgage to to thank for for a lot of that uh, in many cases. So yes, there is some truth to that. I think those changes have been uh, put on hold or just totally scrapped. Uh, but it's it's. It, it doesn't seem to be totally uh, out of the park as far as what Fannie Mae uh, is trying to do. But the trade-off there, having a higher score means lower payments uh, yes. for the life of the loan. I'll take that any day if you add a little fee on there. That's correct. That's correct. You still have lower ongoing interest. That that loan level price adjustment is a one-time fee uh, just for them being the uh, the the holder uh, and that interest rate that is that is for your fifteen or for your thirty year lifetime of the loan so they it, it's the interest rate is a much more significant factor. Well, the thing the thing about it is I'm I guess I'm just old school and I'm proud of it. But mm-hmm. when you have earned that over the last thirty and forty years, then so be it. I mean, when you've earned that, then that you've earned it. And I mean, you know, so now we're basically getting punished for earning a good credit score. So, yeah, well, this does not impact already existing mortgages. Uh, so that's one thing. And also another big – again, I, I do think that some of these changes have either been paused or scrapped. If we have a mortgage broker uh, who is a little more knowledgeable on that, please do call in. But one thing that it did is it raised the loan level price adjustment, so that fee – on second homes and vacation homes, it raised that I think significantly more. So that was another thing: is is if you're buying second homes, investment properties, vacation homes, it's it's that the fee goes to discourage that a little bit in favor of primary home ownership, which. Again, the purpose of Fannie Mae is not to subsidize folks' Airbnb rentals. It's to get people into homes. So kind of whatever they're doing in that regard makes sense. And folks who have a really good credit score, people who have a great credit score, will almost always have other places to go for mortgages. Other other large mortgage buyers are, will will be interested it's just that Fannie Mae is so big that they they do kind of have a they have a big influence in the market when they set these rules. But like I said, I I think that may be scrapped. 
Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We've got some callers on the line, so let's head back to the phone lines. Off to Tupelo we go. Judy has called in today. Good morning, Judy. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Uh, I just wanted to share my situation. Uh, in 2019, I got scammed out of $19,000. Uh, and luckily, uh, well, I had to borrow the money to pay it. Uh, I thought I was helping somebody that was in the military, and uh, it was through Facebook. Uh, luckily, that uh, there was no interest on it. If I paid it off within the time allowed, so I repaid that and didn't have any interest. Then I saved twenty thousand uh, dollars myself. In my mind, that was replacing what I lost, but really it wasn't. But and then uh, after I did that, uh, I started paying off my other debt, and I've got about two months, and I'll have it all paid off. But uh, like the lady, I think it was, that said, putting it on paper really mm-hmm. is essential, or it was for me, uh, yeah. because you see each week what your income's going to be, how much you can pay, and you see the the end game. You know, it's very end. You know if pretty much unless something happens you don't anticipate you know pretty much when that will be paid off great call judy thank you so much that's uh, always like to hear from that because you know we talk a lot about the stuff and it's sort of academic or whatever but it's always great when you hear someone like uh, judy to call in and say you know she did this and, and this method is actually working so any any thoughts on judy's call i, I would say absolutely one of the key things that's going to help make any of these methods work is planning planning it out uh and because so, sometimes not every loan is going to be on the same schedule and you may see oh look this one will be paid off like she said one's going to be paid off in two months so you know you'll be at a direct extra money towards something else. You always know where your dollars are going. Of course, Judy's situation, very unfortunate about uh, getting scammed out of some money. And, and that, that's ah, that's just a debt burden that I hope no, none of us have to go through. But, um, but having a plan and really working hard to get each payment uh, lined up, that's, that's great work to get out of that trouble. All of it was no interest. All of it was no interest, and I'm having it all paid off before I have to pay interest. But well, I'm just, 71, and I'm still working to do that. Wow. Mm. Yeah, just be careful about anybody approaching you for money. Uh, you want to make sure you get verification, uh, separate verification. So even if somebody sends you an email, calls you, and says, well, just call this number, or there's a number in the email search for something, a number outside of that, and verify that they are who they say they are. And uh, because, you know, that feeling of you've lost $19,000 and it wasn't applied to something you wanted it applied to. So that really is a double whammy there. I'm so sorry, Judy. All right, uh, Judy, thanks for the call. Again, uh, good work on uh, trying to pay down that debt. And I would echo, you know, it seems like I'm getting more and more both uh, my text messages, my personal email accounts, and my email accounts at work 
you know, these scams about there's one like, oh, hey, Jim, you know, I, I didn't get that account information. Can you send it to me again or something along those lines or the phishing scams where it's supposedly from a company that you possibly do business with? Although it, it's always funny to me when I get one that says there's a problem with your Netflix account. So we have frozen it. So send us your login information. It's like, well, that's funny. I don't really have a Netflix account. So, <clears throat> but uh, I've gotten to the point too, where I will not, if I don't respond in any way to anything from a business, if you, if you see one of those things that pop up and it's possibly a phishing thing, I think the good advice has been to just directly contact the company and say, Hey, has my account been frozen? Is there a problem? And, you know, nine times out of 10, they're like, nah, then, then nothing's wrong there. So <clears throat> something that we all need to keep in mind, unfortunately. And again, uh, um, I don't know. People like that to me are kind of, oh, I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, scammers? No, that's terrible. I think we can all agree. I, I think as a policy of this show, we can agree that <laughs> scammers are not good. We don't like scams. But they're pretty low on the on – the, on, they're pretty low down there, I would say. That's – Trying to take advantage of someone else like that is not is not good, certainly. All right, you know, back to the first ta- part of the show, uh, we talked about the snowball method, where you pay off the small debts first, and then as you pay off each small debt, you uh, can put more money towards the next one on your list. Had some pros. What about uh, uh, cons, Nancy? Are, are there some things with the snowball method that maybe aren't as favorable as some other methods? Well, one of the biggest problems is you may be racking up um, higher interest charges on bigger debts because you're addressing those smaller ones. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the dollar difference, you probably should just focus on the highest interest card first and work your way down. But again, when you do that, you often miss getting that boost of seeing one getting knocked off your list. So um, generally, I do like to get rid of those high interest charges. Uh, again, we're talking 20% plus. Um, that really can rack up in a hurry. And often those bigger interest charges, they're still rolling on while you're addressing these smaller cards and could take you a lot longer to get everything completed and paid off. All right. Uh, I think we have another phone call to get to, and I'm not mistaken, I believe it's Roger who calls us from Florence. Good morning, Roger. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. I watch too much TV. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. And one of the things I see over and over are expensive ads. I'm sure they're making a lot of profit on their product because they buy expensive TV ads. And these are those ads for reducing your credit score. Now, they must cost you something. They're not doing it for free. And But what is the result, and what's your opinion on it? Would you discuss that? Um, uh, I don't think you're going to hurt anybody's feelings if you make those those, uh, those offers not look good. I don't think they're good. But go ahead. I'm listening. So, Roger, you mean the ones that are to boost your credit score, right? Boost your credit score. Oh, boost, yes. I mean, so... People, the credit credit score is important. So this is why people would want their credit score to go up. Like Nancy mentioned, you get a lower rate on your mortgage, you get better offers on your credit cards. If, if we live in a society which doesn't, strictly speaking, require, but a lot of people need debt to kind of function and move through society. It's how we buy these big expensive things that we need: a house, a car, uh, eighty eight inch. TV, uh, these things that we need, um, 
and to, to, to move through life. Now, we are not big proponents of taking out debt for things you don't need, such as an 88-inch TV or a car that's just way more extravagant than, than you truly need. But the credit score is, is kind of the core of, of, of accessing debt. So if you can – and there's kind of two folks who really need that help. It's po- people who have damaged their credit before. So not necessarily gone through a bankruptcy, but gone through a tough time when they couldn't pay things back, missed a lot of payments, things like that, things that really hurt their credit score – that can be difficult. Uh, medical issues very often will end up on people's credit reports, although there are lots of changes in the works to kind of make that less impactful. Uh, that and people who just don't have much credit history, uh, maybe they're trying to access uh, credit for some reason, but they just don't have it right now. Uh, and for those people, a program to boost your credit score probably doesn't make as much sense because it doesn't I don't know that they would need to to be paying somebody else to help them with that. There are a lot of credit builder programs at uh, uh, credit unions and uh, banks do credit builder programs that couple along with credit education. But for someone who has a bad credit score because they've done something to actually hurt their credit score, there are things that you can do. And I've I don't know everything about them, but I have seen folks that a lot of the a lot of what they're doing is they're writing one they're they're going through your credit report very carefully and checking to make sure everything is legitimate. They're writing and getting things removed that are not legitimate. They're writing and getting things removed that have been resolved but maybe aren't marked as resolved. They're negotiating specific plans with lenders to maybe make the the terms a little easier for you saying, "Okay, so I have this $1000 debt. How about I pay X dollars every month and and I just have a more strict plan for you. So there's a lot of small things they're doing, but removing uh, bad and erroneous marks from your credit score, uh, from your credit report can go a long way towards that. Uh, these are all things the consumer can do themselves. But, of course, sometimes we have to seek professional help because we don't know necessarily how to search through that credit report, how to do all these things. It's it's a, kind of like coming to a financial advisor. It's a one-stop shop for all of these financial things. I, I don't know that the benefit is really that huge. I don't really know that market that well, but that is who might use them. Uh, and before our next break, Nancy, thoughts? Do you, do you think it's worth it? And I mean, do we have an idea of how many points uh, increase these programs would make on your credit score? I don't think we do. And I would just say, be careful. Um, they're charging you to do this. And as Ryder said, you can do this yourself. Uh, go to the library, log online. The Federal Reserve has a lot of good resources. And the little- Consumer Financial Protection Bureau Protection has Bureau, great yes. Great information on on how to dispute and how to how to improve things like that. Right, but and but you can learn what really goes into the credit score and figure out ways to improve your score, how to address disputes, all of those things you can do yourself. And um, so just just be careful about somebody giving you some you know quick way to get it all fixed because it just takes time to fix a damaged score. Uh, so we talked about the snowball method for paying down debt, and I guess sort of the the 
the pair to that is called the avalanche method, and it works kind of backwards. So, Ryder, if you would tell us a little bit about the avalanche method and how that works. I feel like this is an even bigger snowball that you don't necessarily create or maybe you cause in a skiing accident. Uh, so the avalanche method is when you focus on the largest interest rate first. And that's generally what I like to look at is your largest interest rate. That's your biggest cost. Go ahead and get that one knocked out first. That is the biggest dollar savings you can have. Uh, so hopefully over the long term of using that method, I in a this is new to me. I did not know we called it the avalanche method before today. So even I learn things by listening to public radio. <laughs> Folks, that's right. I heard it here first on MPB. So you will, over the long term, you will pay less in interest. That's the idea. You tackle those large interest rates first. Again, very important to make sure you're still minding those mind, those smaller ones, the uh, taking care of those minimum payments, and making sure that one of those doesn't have some some triggering event. You know, if you only make the minimum payment, your interest rate will be this. Or if you miss a payment, your interest rate will go up. Because you, th- when the idea is to keep those interest rates low, you don't want to do something that triggers a higher interest rate. This is also something that uh, refinancing something or consolidations or balance transfers, all sorts of kind of tools you might have to take out another debt and pay that one off. Like our earlier caller was asking, does it make sense to take out a slightly lower interest rate to pay down some credit card debts? Uh, That's where this method is where that starts making a lot of sense. Because you may end up consolidating things. You may end up with one larger debt, but hopefully lower interest over the long term. You're not necessarily going to collect those short-term wins. uh, So you really have to know what you're getting into and dedicate to it. But I think like one of our other callers said, if you put it down on paper and you can see, look, I'm going to get this paid off in XYZ months, and then I'm going to tackle this, and I'm going to save this many dollars total. Hopefully, that's what gives you the boost and encouragement you need. You know, and we talked about the psychological boost of paying off the small ones first because you kind of build up momentum. But to me, it's it's a longer time to get the reward. But to me, when you pay off that huge one, that big one, when that's paid off, man, what what sort of a, a psychological right. boost that one must absolutely, must be. absolutely. And also, um, is it true that as you're paying these down, you might improve your your credit score because <laughs> your your debt is slowly reducing? Yes, I mean, with any any debt repayment method, you could be improving your credit score. I think one thing about this is because so one thing people bring up a lot is, oh, I paid off a credit card. Oh, I paid off a loan, and my credit score went down. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about that. One, credit scores can fluctuate, even just based on the day of the month that the the credit bureau checks to see what your payment status is. Okay, it can it can fluctuate based on pretty much anything. So, uh, but if you pay off a card. Yes, you will have fewer outstanding lines of credit. And the number of lines of credit, it it is an influence on your score. It is not a big influence, though. What you are improving here with any debt repayment method is you are reducing the amount you owe relative to the amount you you are said to, allowed to owe. Your credit utilization ratio will go down. And that is a a pretty big one when it comes to figuring out credit score. So that's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org. 
or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. Our engineer today was Abram Danny, and our call screener was Jay White. So for Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Oh, 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 oh